and welcome to episode five of Big Happy Life. I'm Natalie, I'm your host, and today we'll be talking about the subconscious mind. Last week in episode four, we looked at the metaphor of the rider and the elephant, with the rider being the logical conscious mind and the elephant being the subconscious, emotional, instinctive mind. This week we delve a little deeper and with the help of counseling psychologist Dr. Despina Learmonth, we find out a little bit more about some of the things that get in the way of us really connecting with the elephant and also she will give us some tips for how we might do that a bit better. Dr. Learmonth is a great friend of mine and a fellow South African, but unlike me, she lives in South Africa. So we had to record our interview over Skype and sadly the recording is fairly poor, which meant I had to make the decision of either not having a guest this week or using a poor quality recording. I decided to opt for the poor quality recording because the information she shared was so useful, particularly for people who haven't necessarily had the opportunity to experience counseling and could really use the opportunity to connect with the elephant and find out what's going on. So please forgive the quality of the recording and I hope you find the information really useful. Here it is. Okay, so I, I get the theory about the elephant and the rider, but what I want to ask you is why is it so difficult for us to connect with the elephant even when we know that it's tripping us up? So usually we can have all the information at our fingertips, and of course we do in this day and age, particularly with the advent of the internet, but the difficulty is really understanding why at a subconscious level we're in conflict with some of the change we want to make. And that, of course, because it's subconscious, by virtue of that, we're not always aware of it consciously, what's going on for us. What do you mean by in conflict with the changes we want to make? So usually, and I think this applies for all of us, except those who are brilliant at making change, it means that there are things that pull against the change we want to make and things that push for the change we want to make. And that's because usually we know Consciously, there might be a particular change we want to make. Say, for example, I want to drink less coffee or eliminate caffeine entirely from my daily diet. But also, I enjoy drinking coffee, and it helps to give me things like boosts of energy during the day, improve concentration, and improve my mood. So it gives me certain things, but I also know that it takes away certain things, and those things are often adverse health consequences over the long term. And that's where the conflict lies, in the, the kind of pros and cons that it were of making the behavior change. Okay. If you had a client who came to you, and I know you deal with much bigger things than giving up caffeine, for example, but you come to somebody, let's keep that example. Mm -hmm. Somebody comes to you and says, I've been trying for years to give up coffee and I can't. Then we know the rider and the elephant are in conflict. What would you do to help that person? So the first question I would ask is, as I described in the example, what does coffee give you? So why do you feel you need coffee? Why do you like coffee? Okay. I would imagine then their answers would come from a logical place. So they'd say, oh, well, I'm not a morning person and it wakes me up. Okay. So that's a very good point. Sometimes it does come from a logical place. Obviously, because we're in a therapeutic environment, I can push them a little bit further. Often what I do is I use a technique called free association. So I'll get them to draw coffee either a cup of coffee on a piece of paper or write the word, whichever is most powerful for them. And then I'll get them to free associate, which means anything that comes to their mind in association with coffee, they write down as fast as possible in a certain amount of time. And that usually starts to elicit things which come from a place of the subconscious rather than them intellectualizing their answer as it's sort of filtered through the mind. Okay. So would that be something that someone could do at home? Yeah, absolutely. So if they could sit down and then 
kind of clear their minds briefly, write down the word or the or draw a little concept picture or whatever it is, and then as quickly as possible put down as many ideas or thoughts that come to their mind around that object or the word. Okay. What would you have them do with that information afterwards? So usually what I might try and do is I would get them to highlight the words or ideas that stand out most for them, that resonate or that they connect with most powerfully. And I would also try to explore with them some of the words that they maybe were hesitant to write down or maybe some of the words or or little ideas that they didn't put down on the paper but that did flash into their minds because sometimes that happens and where people think I don't want to put that down because, I don't know, I feel ashamed of it or I don't want to acknowledge that to myself um, and they, they're reluctant to it. Those are usually the most powerful ideas or feelings that exist and those are usually the, the ideas and even feelings that are in conflict with making the change. Okay. So you have to be really ready to be honest with yourself if you're going to get to understand the elephant. Absolutely. And that's why often it's useful to do it with someone. So it doesn't have to be a therapist. Sometimes if you have a trusted friend or partner, because they hopefully will push you a little bit further than you might be willing to go yourself initially. Okay. But then I'm thinking about, like, if I did this with my husband, I mean, you know, John, um, if I did this with John, um, whether or not, like, if he started to push me, whether or not I'd feel a bit judged and then I'd shut down. Is there a really good type of relationship that works well for this where you can care about the person, but also their judgment or their questions won't feel like judgment? <laughs> You're describing the therapist, my dear. So that's why we exist. But um, if, if you, again, can't necessarily access a therapist or can't afford to see a therapist, you're right. You've got to choose the relationship um, or the person that you have the relationship with where you feel the least judged. You feel like they accept you for who you are and that you, you would be comfortable with being open and honest with them. Okay, well, that's incredibly helpful. I love this idea of free association. It's not something I've tried. I probably need to think about who I might do that with, and I guess listeners would have to think about who they might do that with. Before we say goodbye, is there anything else you would add? I'd probably just reiterate the point that you really need to ask yourself the question, what does the behavior give you? That's very important as well, because when you know what it gives you, you can become aware of why you're reluctant to give it up and also what you might need to do to help you change the behavior. So there you have it. If there's a particular habit or behavior that's getting in the way of your happiness, but you're really struggling to let it go, then taking some time to think about what you get from the behavior may give you some insights you haven't previously had. And if that doesn't work, going another step further and doing free association. So you spend some time, maybe 60 to 90 seconds, just coming up with all the things you can think of associated with that habit or behavior write them, draw them, whatever works best for you. And you may end up with information you didn't previously know, at least not on a conscious level, about what was driving your behavior. Once you know that, it's much easier to take charge and make the change you want to make and experience the happiness you want to experience. As always, please leave any comments or questions on the show notes page. Check out the summary of everything we discussed today. And there are also some great links in there you might find useful. I'll have Dr. Learmonth back to answer any more questions you'd like to put to her. In the meantime, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe. I look forward to welcoming you back for episode six. But for now, thanks for listening.